Halloween the episode of Get Serial. We've got a jam-packed show for everybody, don't we? We, uh, we do, uh, we do. Today we are going to make some non-scary movies scary, and we're going to discuss some folklore Halloween legends. Want to tell us what else is coming up on the show, Count Von Cayley? <laughs> um, I don't have the voice in me, guys. I'm gonna be honest. I just can't do it. I want to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna be discussing childhood fears, and we're also gonna be finishing it off with a movie recommendation of the spooky nature. We'll also be interviewing Pam A. Hearn, founder of Edgar's Mission, a non-for-profit farm sanctuary in Lansfield. D- distinctly less uh, spooky, but a very good and interesting cause. Uh, and to <laughs> to get you into the Halloween mood, we've got some spooky songs coming right up for you, boys and ghouls. That's right. We've got Bobby Pickett's Monster Mash. You're listening to Get Serial on Sin with Beck, Kaylee, and Luca. We are all vampires. <laughs> Vampires. Vampires. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to our Halloween themed episode of Get Cereal. It isn't Halloween yet, but we were just so excited that we, we wanted to dive right in. You've just heard Riboflavin by 45 Grave. So I hope that got you in the spooky season mood. Next up, we have a fun segment. We are going to be making not scary movies scary uh, through a series of movie title puns that we have so eagerly prepared for your um, listening pleasure. Are you guys excited to share your puns? I am. You're going to see how shocking I am at coming up with them, but <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Definitely up for it. Okay, so... Full disclosure, not great at puns, but I, I did my best. All right, so are you ready? Yep, yep, we're ready. Fright Club. Fight Club. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I always yell. I yell so loud. All right, all right. Um, <laughs> let's see. Does anyone find this funny? The bat in the hat. <laughs> Oh, that's a good cat. one. That's a good one. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Wait, are uh, we supposed to be guessing them? You can if you want. Actually, but let's just list them. Let's just list them. Let's just rapid oh, fire. Sorry, um, I thought this was some sort of competition. <laughs> you're, you've got a competitive <laughs> mind, Kaylee. You really do. I'm like over okay, here right. <laughs> Pulp Phantom. 
<laughs> no. Yeah, how right. how the grudge stole Christmas? No. Yes. Okay. Oh. All right. All right. Sherlock Bones. Wow. Um, quite the selection. The time traveler's knife. <laughs> nice. I've got a variety of zombie and ghoul ones, and I'm just going to uh, rapid fire. First, I'll give you my last fright pun. That is Wuthering Frights. Anyway, um, so I've got, all right, Zombies Day Out, Bringing Up Zombie, Zombie Driver, <laughs> uh, and a series of ghoul-related ones. Um, Top Ghoul, um, The Ghoul Father, oh um, The Ghoul Father Part 2, that's not funny. Um, no, that is funny. Four funerals and another funeral. Oh. Uh, Austin Powers, <laughs> International Man of Murder Mystery. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> oh my god. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass that I'm gonna pass that one on. Who wants to go next? <laughs> um. Okay. I want you guys to guess mine because I okay. feel like mine. Actually, no, no. I thought that was gonna be a challenge, but they're really not. Okay, ready? Yep. The fungal cook. I don't even know what that film Whoa, is. Whoa, what is that? Fungal cook. <laughs> the fungal cook. Uh, man, this is a quiz now. Oh, what? What? Hit, yeah. hit us with another one. Let's let's keep them going. <laughs> Creeper maggot. <laughs> Creeper are... by the sudden. <laughs> These are in. Oh, cheaper by the dozen. Yes. Oh, the fungal cook was the Jungle Book. Creeper <laughs> um, <laughs> Maggot was Peter Rabbit. Oh, really, you're really okay. acing this one. Okay. Yeah, I uh, really, I, I really want to make them rhyme. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay, Luca, you go. Me. All right. Um. All right. All right. So I got <laughs> the dead panther. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm listening. <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> we got uh, um, undead high school musical. I lo- I vibe. I would watch an undead high school musical. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay. Is that is that the wrap up or is it more? <laughs> uh, where we got <laughs> zombie story. Right. <laughs> like Tokyo Very story. Very exciting. Uh, yeah, oh, very man. original. It's great. <laughs> I love how fantastic <laughs> puns we had. I think Beck, you some... owned it with the puns. I'll be honest. I, um, the Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Dead. I, I don't know. I could keep going all day. Honestly, I think I found my true calling. <laughs> I was gonna say you've really found your calling here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I guess we should um, we should move on to our next song, shouldn't we? And stop torturing Melbourne with our puns. I think we should bring that back, though. I'm going to be honest. Oh, <laughs> imagine the Christmas ones. Oh, seasonal. I love Christmas. So, yes. Luca, what have we got coming up next? <laughs> We've got a King Stingray track coming up. Aussie, Aussie band there. Uh, with Hey Wanaka. You're listening to Get Serial this Thursday morning with Beck Kaylee and Luca. You've just heard King Stingray with Hey Wanaka. We're going to take a break from our Halloween-related programming to bring you a very interesting interview. We are joined by Pam Ahern from Edgar's Mission Animal Sanctuary. You're currently listening to Get Serial with Beck, Kaylee, and Luca. 
by the way. And Pam, good morning. Oh, hi, Kelly and Luca, and hello to your listeners. Now, we're really interested in learning a bit more about your mission. Do you want to fill us in? Yeah, absolutely. Look, Edgar's mission, it started in 2003 with a girl, a pig, and a dream. And uh, the girl was me, the pig was Edgar Allan Pig, and the dream was a kinder world for all, especially farmed animals. For as long as I can remember, animals have captured my heart, home, and even my bed as a small child. Um, and Edgar, when he came into my life in 2003, he did literally tug me in the direction I, I couldn't have imagined that uh, I'm here today with this beautiful sanctuary down here in Lancewood with 450 animals in our care, and, and our mission just goes around the world. Is there, um, was there any particular events or anything that made you kind of start Edgar's mission? Or like you said, did you always just kind of have that passion for animals as a, as a young girl? Always had um, a passion for animals for, from a young girl with, um, with cats and dogs and doing rescues of cats and dogs and helping with wildlife and those sorts of things. Um, and there was a bit of a blind spot about the, the largest number of animals in human care, which are farmed animals. Um, I had no idea about how they were treated or even who those animals really were. Um, in 2003, I was working with Animals Australia on a campaign called Save Babe campaign, which was highlighting our um, animal protection laws, which treated animals not on their ability to experience the world and all those wonderful things, but but on the way that they looked. And and to me, that really didn't make sense. You know, coming to know farmed animals as I have, that I realised that the differences between them and the animals who traditionally share our hearts and homes, like our cats and dogs, are really on the outside only and, and certainly don't um, justify the way that we treat them differently. In 2003, the Code of Practice for Farmed Pigs was actually being reviewed. And this represented a golden opportunity to tell the world about um, what was happening to pigs and also inform people that the public actually has a chance to say, how the laws are in Australia and with James Cromwell in the country at the time who played um, Farmer Hoggett in, in Babe, we had a great media opportunity. We needed a pig and that's where Edgar Allen came in. The uh, the uh, photo shoot went incredibly well, but um, we decided to do a few more actions and just taking Edgar about and giving people a chance to meet Edgar and, and learn about him, it got me thinking that the best ambassadors, the very, very best ambassadors, changing the way people who think about farm animals were the animals themselves to give people a chance to meet the animals, to learn what their lives are really like and then decide for themselves how they think these animals should live. That's so awesome to hear. Um, what, what has been the most rewarding experience uh, working with farmed animals and animal rescue? Like, have you have you noticed a change in the public view of uh, the animals? Oh, that you said? Ab absolutely, and it really does echo those very first sentiments that I had. People meeting these farmed animals and seeing them as the unique individuals they are, not the commodities that we have on supermarket shelves, is incredibly profound for some people. Some people have, you know, immediate epiphanies. Some people, it's it's a lot longer, and some people just the so seeds of kindness are sown. But actually, seeing a pig, a cow, a sheep respond to kindness in just the same way that our cats and dogs do, it it really does, you know, get you in your heart remind you that's where animals should really be not a little bit further south i um i did a little bit of background reading about you pam and i heard that you have quite a history with horses um how did that sort of influence your later work with animals or did were animals as you said you've, they've always had your heart but did that change your perspective at all they're very intelligent creatures aren't they Oh, look, look, horses, as a little child, the moment I, I saw a horse, I wanted a pony of my my very, very own. And I, I got my wish for a pony beyond anything I could ever imagine. And that taught me so much, not only about, about animals, but about myself. And from a very young child having horses, you learn very, very quickly to read animal behavior. If it didn't, you'd get kicked, you'd get stomped on your back, you'd get bitten. And so just reading animal behavior and also learning about that they're emotional worlds, they are emotional beings, just like we humans are. And all 
all that knowledge that I had gained from horses actually serves me really well working for farmed animals today, that ability to read another animal's behaviour. And, and these are prey animals, so they're a little bit different from our cats and dogs, which are, which are predator animals, which are a little bit more confidence. You know, as prey animals, these animals are naturally fearful in humans' company. So to gain the trust of these animals is something I really take as a great honour. And a lot of the animals that come to us are in terrible states of neglect and um, ill health and nursing them back to good health, but seeing how each and every one of them does respond to that kindness and, and cherishes their life just like you and I cherish our own. Yeah, well, you've raised some really good points there, Pam. Um, if you don't mind, uh, I actually found out about you guys through TikTok. Um, you guys have a lot of wholesome content um, of the farmed animals. Now, do you think that uh, your use of TikTok and Instagram and, you know, these different social media uh, platforms has kind of helped spread uh, the awareness and ultimately your, your mission? Oh, ab absolutely. It, you know, we have a global presence and that's really thankful to those um, social media platforms. And I cannot take any credit for that. I have an incredible, wonderful team that make Edgar's mission happy, um, happily tick along. And they're a, a, a much younger generation than me when it comes to social media and all those things, IT. I'm really, really good at looking after farm animals. But, you know, Kyle and Kelly have done an amazing, amazing job with, with social media and just sharing those positive images of animals and happy images of animals. I think the more you see these animals because farmed animals are so hidden from from our lives and because we don't get a chance to see these animals enjoying life and experience happiness and sharing moments with their friends and their family through those social media platforms people get to see that and unwittingly they're actually becoming endeared and enchanted by these animals and, and in turn see them differently yeah definitely and i think it's just like you said it's just it's yeah it's having that wholesome content really reminds people that um animals yeah they deserve to be loved just like our our cats and um dogs you know our home pets so yeah uh just with the the naming of some of the animals i got a few favorites that are written down uh, leon trotsky frosty the snow goat and there were the three uh, goats like triple j's who comes up with yeah, the names and that's, of that's, um I take the credit for most of the name. Carl yeah. named two um, of our ducks many, many years ago, and he's never been allowed to name any more after that. But I, I love to give the animals names that, that are positive and that just make you smile because I think it is really when we're in those positive states of mind, it makes us more open to new ways of thinking. And just to make you smile, like Basie said, the name Leon Trotsky, even when you said it, I was smiling. And I'm thinking about this incredible determined little pig who, who was accidentally squashed by his mama who, who would have died had his cries not pierced the ears and the heart of the neighbour who heard about him and determined that what they did next would determine whether Leon Trotsky lived or died and he came to our care and he was just so incredibly um, fun-loving and wanted to get about and we made him this little cart and he scooted about with his little cart and he did. He fell in love with Frosty the little snow goat. It's actually quite funny. Um, we named him Frosty the snow goat because he was white and a media outlet in um, England picked it up and they thought this, this the snow goat was this new breed of goat that we had in <laughs> Australia. But it was just this cute little name we gave to this absolutely gorgeous little, little goat who um, again had um, beaten the odds. He was found by bushwalkers he couldn't walk and uh, again they knew what they did next would determine whether little frosty lived or died and, and they rescued the little th little animal and this really does speak to the goodness of the human heart and it's what gets me up every single morning that we humans really are programmed to care we care about animals we care about humans and we care about the planet we're just so disconnected between the choices that we make and how they impact upon others but when we are confronted with animals some 
suffering, we will choose to do something about it. We see it over and over with the animals who come to the sanctuary. You know, a human has found them in trouble and wanted to stop their suffering. And that's just so so damn great about about our world and we just want to focus on that positive encourage everyone to think about the choices that they make and how they impact upon others and i know when you do good things you certainly feel good yourself about it as well yeah definitely that's that's a really beautiful sentiment um now pam we'd really love to hear about the cookbook can you tell us a bit about that I love this cookbook. I can only say where was it 30 years ago when I became an overnight vegan and had no idea how to eat vegan. I couldn't even pronounce the word all those years ago. This this cookbook actually, again, it speaks to our global community of kindness. Just, just everyday cooks and chefs in family kitchens around Australia, New Zealand and the world have contributed their much-loved recipes to this cookbook. It makes it easy so easy to um, have nutritious and delicious food that doesn't involve animals. These are much loved recipes that people have handed down or recipes that they've veganized themselves. But people can just jump in and try these recipes. There's lots of different levels there. There's the ones for me that are easy and there are other ones that if you're a little bit more adventurous that are worth the effort and take a little bit more time to prepare. But there's no one who can try this, the recipes in the book and say that vegan food is bland and unexciting. That was our very, very first book, and that oh, one was great. actually made by um, chefs, some wonderful chefs, and you know, great, great restaurants around the world contributed to that. But this is our our lovely one. It's Kindness Community Vegan Cookbook, and it's made by just yeah, everyday people who've just given their recipes for free to us to to pop in this book, and they can be shared around the world. Beautiful, really, really beautiful. Do you have any favourites, Pam? Any favourite recipes? I absolutely do. A little bit biased. My mum's sweet and sour tofu balls um, are absolutely amazing. I encourage everyone to, to try them. And it's actually, it was quite funny because um, when I became this overnight veg all those years ago, my mum was dragged along for the journey with me and we raced out and bought tofu. And it was absolutely disgusting because we ate it raw. We didn't know how to, uh, to <laughs> cook tofu. <laughs> so mum actually went and found out how to cook tofu and she whipped up these um, sweet and sour tofu balls. They are absolutely delicious. And uh, my second favorite which is again from my mum is um this uh, uh corn corn um chowder corn and leek chowder it's absolutely delicious as well really lovely wholesome wholesome recipes in there um from you know breakfast to sweets and everything in between is, is covered in the book where oh, can no. our listeners find uh find the new cookbook out Pam? Oh, thank you very much for asking. Give me a plug. And we're really excited. And when we, we just started selling our books, you know, we, we didn't have um, very big avenues to sell them. But, you know, shops around the world, good bookshops, and probably even some of the dodgy bookshops are selling them as well. And um, on our website, um, www.cooking.kindness, you can get the books there as well. Amazing. Now, Pam, uh, look, how can we help um, and play our own kind of part in achieving your mission. I know there is donating, but is there any other ways that we can all kind of do our own part? Oh, absolutely. And and particularly at this time, you know, with COVID, it's impacted everybody in so many tragic and oftenly financial challenging ways. But there are so many other ways you, you can help um, Edgar's mission and sanctuaries around the world. And just by thinking about the choices we make, every time you sit down to eat, every time you put something in your supermarket trolley, every time you dine out, you can actually make a choice for a kinder world by what you what you eat, what you put in that trolley is, is that vote for the kinder world. So really thinking about that. Um, if you live near a sanctuary anywhere, perhaps going and donate, donating your time, volunteering there, or even just going and visiting a sanctuary. We're excited to be open to the public later in the year. Um, if you're down here near Lancel, please jump online and, and book a tour and come and meet these animals. Find out who they really are because it will not only change their world it will change your world as well and for the better 
Well, that's that's wonderful. Um, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know? Just a really, really simple thing to ask yourself every time you get up in the morning, that if we could live happy and healthy lives without harming others, why wouldn't we? Well, Pam, it's, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. We've learned a lot here today here at Get Serial this uh, Thursday morning. Um, I appreciate you hanging out with us for the time we had. I've uh, learned a lot. It's been eye-opening. You're such a wholesome person. I can't wait to uh, get involved with Edgar's mission in the future. So thank you very much. No worries. Thank, thank you, everyone. Much. Have a great day. <laughs> Coming right. up next, we're going to be playing a song by Julia Jacqueline to Perth before the borders close. You're listening to Get Serial this Thursday morning with Beck, Kaylee, and Luca. You're on Get Serial this Thursday morning with Beck, Kaylee, and Luca. The song you would have just heard was from Julia Jacqueline to Perth before the borders close. That's such a beautiful song. It's a great return for Julia Jacqueline. I'm also digging the film clip for that song as well, homemade clip as well from uh, Julia Jacqueline there. You would have also heard our interview with Pam Ahern, founder of Edgar's Mission, uh, not-for-profit farm sanctuary. That would have been uh, excellent listening as well. If you want to catch up with that later on after the show, you can go to Omni and listen to it there. Uh, before then, we'll be going into some urban legends, some urban legends uh, from all over Australia. Uh, I've just picked out a few to talk about here on the show today this morning. Uh, how does that sound uh, to you, Beck and Kaylee? I am so excited. I don't actually, I want to know if I've heard of any of these before, because I mean, that's the thing about urban legends. They're urban. You hear them in the outside world. So I'm interested. Bring them in. <laughs> also, apologies if you can hear a rumble. Um, that's my stomach. It's been going crazy and I'm, I'm quite afraid you guys can hear it. <laughs> Thankfully not, but it would have added to the spooky vibe. You it's could have said it was growling. Tongue. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop now, you guys. You know what? Just just go with the urban legends. I've uh, I've right. had enough coffee. Clearly. <laughs> All right, we're gonna start with the Luna Park Ghost Train Fire. Oh. Yes, on June the 9th, nineteen seventy nine, a devastating fire in Luna Park's Ghost Train ride said to be the result of an electrical fault, claimed the lives of seven people. Three of the victims were Damien Godson, along with his father and four-year-old brother, in what, may, in what have made for an eerie foreshadowing to the tragedy. Prior to the demise, the Godson family had been waiting for a ferry from Circular Quay to Sydney's Lunar Park when they were approached by a satanic-looking figure dressed in a loincloth mask and horned headdress. The man reportedly came up to the family, placed his hand on a six-year-old Damon's shoulder, and a photo was taken. To this day, no one knows the identity of the man dressed as a demonic figure, but some believe that the horned man resembled the god Moloch, who asked for children to be sacrificed through fire or war, while, while the others believe the man had been linked to a social satanic cult wow that was heavy <laughs> that was heavy yeah. <laughs> that's uh, uh some heavy morning listening yeah wow when i first Very. read that i was like oh that's uh that's intense but it's interesting that gave me the the ghost bumps ghost bumps isn't it supposed to be <laughs> bumps <laughs> yeah uh, the right. ghoul bumps ghoul bumps <laughs> 
please don't become me and start putting the word ghoul yeah, into I'm everything. Gonna I'm going to stop. <laughs> Gould morning. We need no. to address Luca's silent laugh. You think it's we- silent and then you hear this soft cackle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that adds to the atmosphere, right? That could be It spooky. does. I'm a warlock. <laughs> Luca the warlock. Uh, yeah. Got any other Can't legends myself. for us, Luca? Yes, have you heard of the legend of the Lithgow Panther? No, no. please do tell. So there's been over 500 sightings over the past 20 years in, around Lithgow, Hawkesbury, in the Blue Mountains in New South Wales. Um, oh, I think I've heard this. Panther. Yeah, it's some believe it's based on truth. Others believe it's like a, a myth formed by the Hawkesbury mayor just to improve tourism. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the Daily Telegraph has reported that there's been so many sightings by like the Department of Primary Industries um, and like local agriculture there as well. Even like the rugby team has, uh, they're called the Penrith Panthers because of that. So yeah, I reckon... people believe it's like bigger than a domestic cat as well, 10 times bigger. Well, I mean, if it was a panther, I hope it's bigger than a domestic cat. Otherwise, you know, like, oh, look, everybody, I've caught a panther. That's just a cat, you know, like, <laughs> just calling it a panther. Anyway, um, yeah, I've heard a lot of those sort of, like, big cat sightings myths. And I always thought that, like, the explanation was that years ago, like, maybe something escaped from a zoo and then it sort of caught on in folklore and everyone started embellishing on the story. But I don't know if any of that's true either. It could all be, I don't know, mass cat-related um, hauntings. Maybe it's a ghost panther. I wow. definitely want it to be a ghost panther. That's for sure. So do I. A, a ghoul panther. I, I'm going to be honest. What's a ghoul? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I'm coming clean. What is it? Is yeah, it just like a ghost? ghost? See? Zombie I mean, ghost. like, uh, I think ghoul is sort of like a generic descriptor of words. So, like, a zombie could be a ghoul or, like, a ghost could also be a ghoul or, like, right. some sort of monster could be a ghoul. You know, like, unhand her, you ghoul. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, um, no, I'm, I'm not going to bring it back. It's it's fine. I was going to say the bunyip, but I've got to stop mentioning the bunyip. <laughs> ghouls. They're, they're friends. Don't they, uh, go near the water, though. I believe they eat people. I mean, I don't think they're real, but, you know, I never, you never know. But to be honest, right, there's also a good chance you could be attacked by a crocodile. So maybe just don't go near the Stay clear. Stay clear. All right, guys, let's, um, let's bring the mood back up, a positive vibe. You're listening to Get Serial here on Sin with Luca, Beck, and Kaylee. Up next, we have A Chilled and Funky Tune by Matt Corby, Vitamin. Do you want to be a radio star? Well, you can. Join Sin and get involved in radio, TV, podcasting and online. Visit syn.org.au forward slash get involved to find out more. Welcome back. You're listening to Get Serial here on Sin with myself, Kaylee, Beck, and Luca. You just heard ex-Olympian Ripple in Time. Guys, it's Halloween, as you can tell by this episode. A scary time of year, but... You know, I've been thinking, I think something else that is incredibly scary, it's bird swooping season. (laughs) I'm I'm over it. I'm really over it. I think I get swooped at least like once a week, once a week. And my number one fear, which started when I was a child, are birds. I want to jump right in here and terrify you because 
uh, the other day I passed an overwhelmingly large number of graveyard ravens. So that's uh. just a graveyard congregation of ravens. Um, and they were all flying around screaming at each other. And I did walk past and I thought, you know, this just sounds like Kaylee's nightmare, right? Uh. Have you ever seen The Birds, the film? No, I don't really want <laughs> that's to. That's a great film. It is a great film, but I feel it's like it would cheesy. cause you cause you serious upset. Yeah, but I mean, being afraid of birds is cheesy, and Kaylee's afraid of birds, so I, I know. But I feel like it's one of those fears. So when I was a child, I can only narrow it down to one event. Um, I was at a family friend's house. They have these little baby. I don't know the breed of bird. Let's call them baby birds. Very small birds, um, and. They, they were the type of family to like let them out and like kind of fly around. I, d- I don't know. They're quite a quite a quirky family. Um, anyway, one flew up my top, like the back of my top, and I like I remember thinking everyone was laughing at me and no one was helping me. Jeez. Um, yeah, it was quite a rough time. So I thought like I and I was like I was quite disorientated and flustered about the whole event, and I didn't want to fall back because if I f- was to fall back. I mean, I've got a bird up my top. I'm going to crush it. Yeah. Um, so I ultimately think that's where my fear came from. Um, and then my mum, my mom, we actually got chickens about three years ago, and I didn't go in my backyard for a year and a half. No, really? So petri- yeah. And I have a lovely backyard. When I was a kid, I convinced one of my friends that chickens were going to, like, peck him to death or something. Like, I, I, I like, said scary things about chickens to him. (laughs) Constantly. Yeah, no, I was, like, 10, and I'm just, like, the school had a chicken. And I'm just, like, you see what it's doing to that apple, how it's just sort of hollowing it out? It would do that to you if it had the chance. And he screamed and, like, I don't know. I just made someone afraid of breed of child. (laughs) I, uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm, that's that's surprising but I was I was scared of plenty of things myself as a kid I was scared of everything um I had to like sleep with the lights on like this isn't like a nightlight situation I had to have all the lights on because I had this really vivid imagination I always thought something was going to come and get me I had a real fear of uh needles and stuff like that and I was also really afraid of skeletons so I was afraid that skeletons were going to come and attack me with needles uh that was like a recurring vivid imagination thing that I had going on I was so afraid of mummies, like Egyptian mummies, that if I saw anything related to an Egyptian mummy, I couldn't sleep properly for days. I, um, I remember thinking that a cupboard underneath the stairs in my primary school had like an Egyptian mummy in it, and it was going to come out and get me. I don't know why I thought that. Um, I used to read Goosebumps books a lot, which didn't do me any favors, but I really liked them. So I've always been books super addicted to horror and just sort of terrified of it at the same time I would I got banned by my mom actually from from like reading Goosebumps books at home like I wasn't allowed to borrow them from the library anymore because I got so scared it's causing you so much grief yeah and you know what I did about that what did you I, do? I read them in the library at lunch instead so she didn't find out and then I just went to sleep <laughs> <laughs> How about, how about you, Luca? What were you afraid of as a kid? <laughs> uh, well, I was reading, I would have been like seven years old, and I tried reading the Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Mm. Mm. Uh, and then I got through like maybe like 17 or 18 pages. And it's like the scene where Voldemort comes, like, yeah, kills Harry's parents. Oh, gosh. So I went to bed, right? 
And then it's like it was a windy night. I'll, I'll give it that. It was a windy night, and I felt like Voldemort was gonna come through my the window, like break in and just like kill me. <laughs> so I was like awake, uh, wide eyed, like oh, this can't be happening. This can't be happening. So I tried going to sleep, rolled over. The, the curtain, the the thing that holds the curtain, the banister thing, right? It mm-hmm. falls like almost near near my head. It's cr- like boom, big sound. I'm like, oh my god. It's Voldemort. Voldemort's coming to kill me. And like, I run out of the door, run out of the house, and run into the street and just start running. Oh, no, but Terrified. I kind of back you. You know who I would argue is the scariest Harry Potter character? Dobby. Who? Dobby. Oh. Dobby freaks me. You know when he goes, Dobby must die, like that? Oh, yeah. I didn't like that. I don't know where that came from. Oh my gosh, that came I, from within. I've never I done love that. the um, idea that you're just afraid of Dobby. No, I, I, I really don't. It just freaks me out. I think it's the skin and the face, and oh, it's just all of it. Um, <laughs> arguably a great impression, though. I'll give myself that. That's a oh, that's a good Dobby impression. Thank you. Five stars. Well, um, well, I guess we should move <laughs> on then. We have a personal favorite spooky season song of mine coming up next. Get ready to hear Something in My House by Dead or Alive. You are listening to Get Serial on Sin with Beck, Kaylee, and Luca. That was Something in My House by Dead or Alive. You're listening to Get Serial on Sin with Beck, Kaylee, and Luca. And we've been taking you through some extra spooky content for the near Halloween season. Next up, we have some horror movie recommendations. Guys, how do you feel about horror? It scares me. I, I enjoy it. <laughs> As it should. I mean, I mean, fair enough. I mean, it is, it is horror. It is supposed to scare you. And guys, I mean, this is a bit of a cliche answer, but one of my very favorite horror films is The Thing. Have you guys seen that one? No. Like I just said before, horror is my least watched genre, so please enlighten me. Well, um, how about you, Luger? Have you seen The Thing? Is this John Carpenter's The Thing? It is John Carpenter's The Thing. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> what about yeah. Bobby the Electrician? That um, that film set in Antarctica, a bunch of researchers encounter alien life, and I just absolutely love this one, mostly for the practical effects. Like, the monster mm. looks absolutely terrifying, and I also enjoy... Um, when it comes to this film, that it isn't, I guess, you know, in horror films, how a lot of the time people seem to die just because they did something stupid or something, you know, like the don't go in the door moment, right? What I really Mm -hmm. like about the thing is that it doesn't really seem to have any moments that make me think, oh no, you're an idiot. You know what I mean? Like Mm. most of the characters, like, well, the main character uh, played by Kurt Russell acts in fairly sensible ways uh, throughout the film and the ending is just great so if you've never seen it before and you're old enough to watch it check it out um i also halloween season is a great time to watch b movies i've been indulging in some truly truly terrible uh things you know like i think i watched what was it called the Howling to Your Sister is a Werewolf recently i wouldn't recommend it oh, but no i love the werewolf uh, <laughs> the werewolf ones yeah, well, I mean, I just think that I, w- I wouldn't recommend it for quality, but you know what I mean. Like, if your if your thing is to indulge in B movies like mine, Halloween is the perfect excuse, right? 
How about yeah. you, Luca? Do you have any horror movie recommendations? Uh, I watched I watched the film last year at uh, the Melbourne International Film Festival called Koko Di Koko Day, which is a Danish Ooh. nursery rhyme kind of. The title comes from a Danish nursery rhyme, but it's like a psychological time loop horror film, uh, and it's about these two grieving parents who, after their child has like a unexpected death, let's say. They're stuck in a time loop when they go on a camping trip and these nursery rhyme characters just like hunt them down in the middle of the forest and torture them and they have to figure out how to escape this time loop without as they're grieving, you know? Right. Yeah, that sounds cool. I haven't watched that much foreign film, but I know that you're um, more into the world cinema stuff, aren't you, Luca? Yeah, I absolutely love it. Uh, it's like, it's. I felt like it was a mix between Groundhog Day and Friday the 13th. <laughs> oh no! Oh. Yeah, and it, and it had like good. it's like some tragic comedic kind of vibes as well in the film, but like yeah, it's it kind of it's uh, like an allegory allegory for marriage and life in itself. Just like the repetitive nature of like being in a long term relationship, having children, whatever, and then having that taken away from you. What that does to like a dynamic of a couple, right? That's cool. Yeah, I love it when um, horror explores sort of like, like, you know, is an allegory for or explores real world sort of actual sort of interpersonal fears, if that makes sense, like rather than just slashes or anything like that. If at the heart of it, it tackles something that's really human, I really dig that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I get for sure. All right. I mean, I wish I could contribute, but I, I, oh, I'm a rookie in the horror <laughs> genre. You don't Twilight? like spice. You don't like horror. We're learning so much about you. Yeah, I'm a I'm a complex creature. Ah, uh, well, should we should we move on to our very last song, Luca? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just to like make things a bit more comfortable, we're going to be playing a band called Cozy with their song Whoa. Buttons. So Cute. hopefully, no one's got a fear of buttons. I know that's a thing, <laughs> but is it? Yeah. Wow. wow. That's yeah. Every day. Sorry, yeah, everyone, fear, of buttons. Buttons. <laughs> fear of buttons. I know it's got a name. Hang on. No, I mean, <sighs> okay. Let's, let's, um, you are listening to <laughs> Get Serial with Beck, Kaylee, and Luca. You're listening to Get Serial this Thursday morning. We've had a Halloween themed uh, episode uh, with Beck, Kaylee, and Luca. We also interviewed Pam Ahern from uh, the uh, non for profit Sanctuary. Edgar's mission. Uh, if you'd like to catch us on the socials, we are at Get Serial Sin on Instagram and Get Serial on Facebook and Twitter. The song we would have just heard as well was Cozy, band Cozy, by, and their song was called Buttons. We've come to the end of the show now. Uh, I'd just like to say that the fear of buttons is called companophobia. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just had to sneak that one in there. Whoa. But yeah, Kaylee. Uh, Beck, we've uh, come to the end of the show. Uh, it's been a great one. Hope to catch you on the flip side again next week. Yeah, right. uh, have That's a safe up. Halloween. Oh, yes. sorry. Spooky at that. Have a have a Ooh. safe Halloween. <laughs> remember, uh, remember, you know, hygiene and um, social distancing and all of that stuff. Sanitize. Stuff like that. Stay uh, vigilant, even though uh, it's a holiday, sort of. Stay vigilant. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, righty-roo, ta-ta.